Welcome to episode 87 of the Never Iron Anything Comics Review Podcast. This week we see the return of our regular co-host, the man who loves the black and white, yes, Penguin himself, Mr. Alan Henderson. How you doing, babes? You right? Greetings, yes. And, uh, what a lovely day it is to sit inside and, and record a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I obviously bored you with stories of it, but I spent um, a week away in a, in a windmill in Norfolk and it rained every single day. And the day I drove home, the sun came out. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, but well, I did find. You've been there this week. You'd have been sunburned. So I know, I know. I'd have been in the sea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How yeah. you been anyway? How you been? It's about a month since we spoke last, isn't it? It's usually about a month. How you been? Oh, good. And I cannot complain at all. Um, you know, we're, we're, I have drinks booked to go out and see people and things oh, like that. Yeah, in, nice. In, in, in terms of the work, you know, there's, there's a, one of the young lads who, who joined our work as a sort of graduate for a year. Yeah. Um, I, I've never ever physically seen him, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. And to the extent that I was thinking, I actually don't even know if he has legs. Yeah, well, <laughs> I started my new job. Of, I started my yeah. new job in February of 2020, and I so I had a month of meeting people, and that's the only some of them I've only met twice. You know, so but I'm I'm not quite as bad as you, but yeah, yes, yeah, weird, isn't it? Just seeing these people through a TV screen all the time. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. That's it. so. Yeah. Then we're getting there, and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. as I say, the, the getting back to the summer weather as well is going to help with with all sorts of other things. Just and, um, you know, but no, I think it's as it's been it's been an interesting experience. If it's, yeah. That, that like summer's that. gonna that sun's gonna improve the old dogging experience. No end. Is it? Yeah. You know, it's not been the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm hoping, uh, being a regular at the Drink and Draw, we only had one the other day, didn't we? Which is a, a mm. nice, sedate one. I'm hoping we can actually have an actual one at a convention at some point. It'd be quite nice where we can all actually get together. Um, my, my problem is, if it's going to be at the convention, there's going to be much more drink and a lot less draw. There is, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is no bad thing. Yeah, so. possibly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Um, I know you know, I went for dinner with Jason Wilson and his missus on there. Uh, Little shout out to Jason on Thursday, and it was both of us are like, "This is weird." Sitting in a curry house, having actually having a conversation, person to person, you know. Um, yeah, but it was good. Yeah, good stuff. Now, um, my holiday, um, there was a break in the weather for about two hours, and I sat on a beach um, in Clay in Norfolk, and I read this book, and absolutely, it absolutely floored me. Absolutely, I texted you, didn't I? Um, mm. What have you chosen for us to talk about, dude? So. Um, way back in 1990, um, DC used to publish a little free magazine of their coming attractions called Direct Currents. Yep. And if you go to Direct Currents number 30, which I have in front of me, on the front cover of it, <laughs> it talks about From the Killer Skies, an enemy ace hardcover, and it's called Enemy Ace War Idle. Now, an idyll is a small little poem um, with picturesque or period situation, typically an idealised or um, unsubstantiated one. So it's, ah, it's nicely done because people yeah. mistakenly call it war idol, don't they? And they would yeah. be wrong about that. Yeah, yeah. But I think that was a little play on a little play on words that they tried to to, to go with for that. But yeah, yeah. war idol. So basically, it is about taking that that, that concept of saying you know, there's a lot of World War One poetry. Um, yep. And saying that this is a is a is a place forward from that. So it's um, Warzel, which is a November. I think it actually published in November nineteen ninety. Um, okay. Written and painted by George Pratt. Oh dear. Um, yeah. Featuring the uh, featuring 
primarily the Baron von Hammer, who is the enemy ace, mm-hmm. um, and recounts the story of him in his later life and the interaction that he has with a, a journalist um, who is, is who has a story of his own to tell, yeah. I guess is the, the, the high-level summary for that. So it's kind of there is a counterpoint between... Um, I mean, there's a lot of themes. I'm sure we'll get into them, but there's a counterpoint between. For those who don't read, haven't read it, we get flashbacks to World War One. We get the present day um, uh, enemy ace uh, in a hospital, but we also get flashbacks to it's Vietnam, isn't it, for the journalist? Yeah. Yeah. So the book is actually set in 1969, yeah. and it, it, um, it essentially opens with a, a journalist who is going to visit the basically dying. Um, hands on hammer um, to say, well, you know, I want, want to interview to, to find out about your experiences of World War One. Um, but through the course of that, we find that actually the, the journalist is a Vietnam War vet. And yeah. what he's really doing is trying to come to terms with a situation that he experienced in Vietnam. And between the conversations that they have together, Basically, there's the, the coming together of the fact that, you know, war is hell regardless of, of, of time period and that there is, you know, a common theme and understanding between anybody that's ever fought. And the journalist essentially overcomes his PTSD as, as part yeah. of the discussions that he has uh, with, 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 um, with the enemies. And that, that ultimately leads the enemies to basically hand over the, the, the mantle, if you like, to him and yeah. and then passes away at the end of the book to... For, yeah. for spoilers for a 30 40 year old yeah spoilers. i think we're okay yeah the <laughs> the and the elephant in the room the cloud above them is this ptsd throughout it isn't it it's the yes it's for the both yeah for both yeah and the counterpoint between modern and well reasonably modern at the time and um and his you know world war one is is this the first time you'd read enemy ace was it dude i'm guessing or um yes it would have been so again yeah. this is the interesting really because we, we look today about, you know, there's how many hardcovers get published a month at the moment yeah, in terms yeah. of some of the bits. Yeah, it's there. more than so, actual floppies sometimes, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in terms of, So way back in 1990, um, if you discount reprints or, or collect editions, so, so don't talk Dark Knight, don't talk Watchmen, and yeah. and don't call, they talk things like um, the, the greatest Batman stories ever told. And you just look at the hardcovers that were published that were purely um, original graphic novels. Enemy Ace is the fourth graphic novel oh, that wow. came out okay. in a hardcover that DC ever produced. And You've they got, were quite um, ahead of the game with that, weren't they? They were um, maybe well, not the well, first, well, but they were certainly putting stuff out. I remember seeing collecteds from them when I hadn't seen them for a lot of other places, you know. Marvel did a run of... of um, Graphic novels in, um, in the early, in the mid to, to late eighties, yeah. um, that were not, that included the Batman, sorry, the Shadow, um, Hitler's Astrologer yeah. for nineteen forty one. So it was um, stuff like the New Mutants premiered in it, didn't they? We had Star, Star Slammers, yeah, uh, yell that sort of thing. Yeah, they were a good run actually, an interesting yeah, run of books. So, yeah, but it, but it was the fact that this, this came out as a hardcover. So in terms of my, you know, how did I find this book? It was very much a case of saying, well, hardcovers don't come out very often. Um, I'm going to ignore Digital Justice, which I think was the one that came out just prior to this. <laughs> yeah, we, it's, it's, you played that game on me, didn't you? You said, right, what's this? What, what are the, what name, this? name this book without looking at, oh, yeah, by, by taking the dust jacket off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, well, that's what you basically had, Son of the Demon, 
um, Digital Justice, um, Arkham Asylum, okay. and then this. Oh, uh, wow, okay, it, right. It, let's, let's call it that order for, for the sake of it. Right? That makes me um, wonder that with the speed that it must have taken to draw this, whether it could have been higher up the pecking order there somewhere. Um, I, I, you know, and that I don't know. Yeah. Because um, the things that came after, there was a load of, or a lot of the next books that came after this were getting in the same format of being fully painted. Okay. Because you had things like Night Cries, you had uh, the Viking Glory hardcover. Right. Um, because at this point in time, this this stood out as being look, it's a hardcover that's an original graphic novel. That's pretty good, but it's also. You know, this is a big painted book, which made yeah. it completely different from from the floppies that were happening or the mini series that were going out. Yeah. But there were loads of other painting artists or artists who did painted comics at this point as well, who again were putting out big pieces of work. Um, people like Kent Williams, Scott Hampton and Bo Hampton, um, John Van Fleet, Chris Muller, Mouth, yeah. um, as well as people who have gone in and out of doing the the painted piece which is people like dave mckean and bilson kemich yeah who started off being very painterly kind of went down to to, to more of a, a drawing style and then has now gone back to doing being painterly in terms of that that, that sway in and out yeah so the, you know and that that was what the, the early 90s were all about it was a case of if you're going to put a graphic novel out it has to be something special and yeah. that's where where this came together as being the start of something and it was special. a bit like we've talked about before about the prestige formats when they first started coming out they were almost like a must buy for us weren't they because they were this special thing mm. and i think i don't know how i missed this i think the reason i missed it is because it was a war book and i wasn't reading war books at that time i think yeah. that's why i missed it um but yeah i think it was probably seen it as something special and it was sort of the almost like the first non-batman one as well wasn't it you know yes very yeah. much so yeah, yeah. So, so dc also trailed this by producing a single issue that reprinted some of the early enemy apes. Um, yeah, so I have that in front of me actually. And, he yeah. does an intro to, doesn't he? He does an introduction yeah. to. Yeah. So that 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 was a sort of a user teaser to. The, uh, I'm pretty sure that came out a couple of months in advance of the the actual book. Ah, okay. Say, well, look, this is coming out. Here's a you know. Let's remind you who enemy ace is, and then boom. Here's here's this hardcover. Yeah. So that, that's how I got to this in terms of the. Have you got that in front of you? I don't. No, okay, no. just when you do get it. Now I keep every time I open it, I keep thinking this is top left is a, a sketch of um, enemy ace, and it just looks the spit of Putin to me. Wait, go and just <laughs> don't don't yeah. Forget I said that and open it later. See what you think. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I didn't go to the, the the covers to dig that one out because I had the um, the archive editions in front of me, and I knew that the, the yeah. material was inside it. But yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I've got those archive editions. That's a lovely book as well, isn't it? That really mm. is nice. Yeah. 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 Did you want to, um, I mean, I think I asked you this a little bit and you didn't, you, you weren't actually that fussed, but you're not really, when you were re- really a, a war comics guy, was that, because um, no. obviously Sergeant I, I, Rock was a, a, deer, a big deal at the time. It was, you know, it'd been running for years and was at that point so, telling interesting stories as well, you know? Yeah. So my exposure to, to war comics it was would be much more a case of I knew Commando comics as, okay. a, as a kid, right? right? Yeah, um, it's one of these ones where I don't think I've ever been to, or as a child, I was never to a bus station or a railway station that didn't sell Commando comics. Yeah, you know, if you yeah. you were going on a trip for a holiday or whatever, 
that was the book that was always available. So if, yeah. if you didn't get something else, you got you got no comics. That's how I so saw it, mate. Yeah, completely. If there wasn't a proper comic, <laughs> commando, that's yeah, in my head. That's it's, a I know, it's silly, but yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. yeah. So but the, the the commando comics were there. Now thereafter, no, I, my my reading at the time, um, certainly in, in the late eighties or the nineties, would not have involved an awful lot of war comics at all. Yeah. Um, I, I came into Sergeant Rock a lot later, um, and yeah. I picked up some some really nice stuff. The the Billy Tucci book that that he did, which yeah. was you know obviously he's that's um, a nice little hardcover as well. That, that that version I've got that of that. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. Yet. So you know obviously he's got an interaction because he is is he a marine formerly himself? He certainly he's he's, he's he, he he was in the military. So yeah, he's, he's quite um, Mister Firearms if you follow him on, on Facebook yeah. and bows and but, arrows. But he, yeah, I know what you mean. He he's clearly also, knows what he's, he's talking done about. A lot of, yeah. Um, yeah. he's done a lot of fundraising for for military charities and oh, states nice. as well. So I know that, that he's involved with with that as well. So you know, but it, it's it's a it's a great book, and there are other other books that have had the dips and arrows, but but not an awful lot. And I, I think we should be clear this this book, while it's about to warriors it's you know and and there is big fight scenes in it it's not really a military book it mm. is much more about that mental health yeah it's not piece. what we remember and, and, <clears throat> and to to sort of clarify for me i think my um my exposure to war comics was through the british weeklies i think you know um warlord and you know even charlie's war and stuff like that before yeah. this i think was kind of where i saw it and then like you i didn't properly get into the sort of sergeant rock stuff till years later when i realized the actual quality of those war stories i think i went from thinking oh they're just like americans fighting germans you know but there's there's so much more in mm, them mm. um and that's also echoed more in garth innes's work than it is later when he does his enemy yeah. story than it is in yeah. this you're right yeah. this is about um two men basically isn't it there's some there is some great war sequences in it, but it's about the the, the, the relationship between these two men and the passing yeah. of the the the, fl- the flag between the two of them almost, isn't there? Yeah. And then some as in, and some gun wrenching lines that that, that <laughs> appear yeah. here as well. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about this book, but we're also you very kindly sent me a present, dude. Um, absolutely loved it. I've got it in front of me. Did you want to explain what that was as well? Because that's sort of yeah. by a different company, but connected. I'm right in saying. Yeah. That. So yeah. as um, as part of the the creation of, of enemy, so obviously you're going to do a painted book. You 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 do lots of little studies and sketches and, and yeah. on the side. Now, as I understand it, um, Eastman of Eastman and Laird was basically at a talk with George Pratt, who who was also talking about this book. And George Pratt basically was showing off all the sketches that he had. Right. And Eastman, who had set up this company called Tundra Publishing, yeah, basically went, I want to publish those those sketches um and so he created uh, and tundra was doing a line of sketchbooks at that point as well for an array of artists okay um so he basically put together this sketchbook called no man's land which is a lot of world war one and trench art that, that that george pratt has done again dotted through with poems and quotes yeah there's um, all sorts of it, rudyard that, kipling and yeah, yeah, there's all sorts of things going on in this, isn't there? Yeah. That, you know, that, 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 that. Now, actually, in the actual hardcover in, in Warriddle, it actually has a small sketchbook section at the back. Yeah. And it, that has, I don't know, maybe 16 sketches. Well, this has the other 150. Or yeah, whatever. the Warner Brothers one I've got has got maybe four or five pages of sketches in it as well. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, it, you know, the, the, this. 
this is the sort of thing where you kind of go, well, you wanted to know the process of how he produced the the book. This is the process book that that goes with it. Yeah, and it's an absolute example of how to produce so many or so much depth in an image with so little um because oh, it's all so watercolors and wash and there's some of it where it's just really little touches and you you you, you can consider it what you like yeah now i was was very i guess i sent you a copy of the book but i, I actually have a um i remember seeing this book in what would have been science fiction bookshop uh, back in well, it was ninety two that the, the the sketchbook came out, okay. and never picking it up, and always thinking, "Oh, that's a nice to have." Either well, I would be at uni at that point, so we'd not have had the money to to just buy any old, you know. Yeah. Um, so, but many many years later, I happened to spot that George Pratt on his website was selling some of them with a pencil sketch included. Oh, nice. Here we go again <laughs> and for by, you. And nice by that class. point, I happened yeah. to have, have the money. Yeah. So I was able to go, um, I'll have one. Now, he does the ones with watercolours in. Let's oh, say they're, wow. they're, okay. they're a couple of hundred dollars each. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so I got one with the pencil sketch in it, which makes it extra special in terms of, again, it's because it's just blue pencil that he uses, but the, okay. he creates a degree of depth in it that's just absolutely They really stunning. have to be seen to be, you know, they're, they're like something you wouldn't just see in a, in a, in a, um, a paint, you know, a, a, an art gallery. You'd see them in a, mm. an exhibition about the First World War, about the Great War. They're that sort of yes. evocative, oh, you, they, you know. Yeah. Oh, and it, it is... I. It, yeah, it's exactly that. This is the sort of thing. We some of them as well. He he's actually done other war paintings. Uh, if you go through his website, right, where he's done a little bit more Vietnam work. And, okay, um, but he's also he's, he's basically done all of the different countries or a soldier from each of the countries that were involved in World War One wow. as well. Okay, it's where it's kind you know. Yeah, but it, again, it's that very minimalist way. But you can start to tell the differences. To, so then you know, that. It, it, you know, like somebody in a phase and all that sort of stuff, so you yeah. can pick up the other parts. That, you know, when you can move to the Ottoman Empire side of things. Yeah. But um, so yeah, no, it's it, it's 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 the perfect companion piece to this book, um, and it, it's, it means I've got three sort of big <laughs> books in front of me that, that matter. One is that No Man's Land sketchbook, the yeah. original hardcover, and then I've also got the Graffiti Designs edition of the hardcover. Okay. Um, which is just slightly larger. Um, right. than, than the comic book science um, and does feature an additional section if you like in that it opens out with the diary that that, that Hands on Hammer kept as oh, wow. World okay. War One. Yeah. Now it's 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 printed as if it was handwritten in German. Right. And then there's vellum overlays on each of those pages that are printed in English. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Except for the very, very then at the very, very end of the book, when so that again spoilers for the story, but the the Hans Hammer basically produces the diary in the storyline and hands it over to um, to the journalist, um, and then the, the end pages are written in English by the journalist, basically talking about the fact that he's he's now taken over the the ownership of the diary. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this the, the the way they produced this book, it looks like the diary in the storyline as well. So it's right. this is how special books should be produced yeah you know when you kind of go oh it's not just a slap a it's like a fucking prop thing. never mind a yeah 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 it's not just you know putting a wee postcard that's got signed and numbered on it this is going 
yeah, we're going to you know put the design effort in and actually package it up beautifully. So yeah. Anyway, those are the versions. Good stuff, man. No. Shall, shall we dive into the book? Yeah. Do you want to do? Well, I'll give you a choice here. Do you want to talk about George first, or do you want to talk about the book first? Let's talk about the book okay, first, because I think yeah, once cool. we're talking to George, we actually there, there's bits that go into other artists from, yeah, from him are, as well. There are. So um, it's like as we've discussed, you know, it takes place in three different time zones essentially. Um, what I we'll get onto we'll get onto the acknowledgements in a minute because I found them quite interesting as well. <laughs> yes, um, there's a brilliant one. But one of my one of my favourite sequences. Well, it's all favourite, man. I've got to tell you, there's no there's no filler in this book at all. It's all thriller. But the I like the way I know how you feel about it. Now, having I've just reread, you know, a crate load of everything I could find about Enemy Ace and and the Cubit stuff, and the Cubit stuff focuses very much on the dogfights for a lot of his his comics, you know. Yeah, and the combat, I suppose, in on both, most in the air, but also in the ground occasionally. And he uh, he very cleverly, um, George Pratt. What he does here is he opens, kind of opens on a dogfight, doesn't he, above the trenches, yeah. um, um, and it's so well because these dogfights are like watching a football match. You can't tell who's going to win, you know, in in the in the Cubit stuff. And he carries that off, but he does it in like a really painterly way, doesn't he? To me, what was your thoughts on it? Yeah, so the first six or eight pages are, yeah. are this dogfight, and it's all in silent as yeah. well. Yeah. And all you see is that the bullets are flying around, and it's this because it's it's a, a mix of of watercolor and 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 a little bit of acrylics. It's that lovely blue sky that you can do with a, with a nice blue watercolor. Right. So everything's against this. You know, you've got this beautiful bright blue sky, and then all this mayhem happening on top of that blue yeah. you know, you know that, that blue sheen and it's you know you, you, you're right things are flying left and right and, and you know and it sticks, creates such momentum and, and, and motion yeah. and then what you realize is that you know as the you know as he flies away from the dogfight having you know having won it and he starts flying above the earth and getting higher and higher and, and you know, suddenly it's above the globe and it's only then that you realize that this is actually his dream yeah, he's you know him as an old man remembering the dogfight and it being you know that this swirl, but actually he felt that he was just so far above the earth and just you know it felt like you know he was able to control everything that was going on underneath them. Yeah, and then the other notable um, thing for me, which also goes into what you're saying, is later on we get dogfights and we get battles, mm. but we get sound effects. In this, yeah. we don't get the but tock 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 is quite a common sound effect, isn't it? Yeah. We don't get that in this, you know. Yeah, yeah, beautiful it's, stuff. I it's the the one thing I, 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 that lets the it doesn't let the book down, but it's it, it's very all of its times the way that some of the lettering is done, the way that some of the yeah. um, you know what I think it is? It's actually the weight of the line that goes around the outside of many of the the lettering boxes. And a lot of the the balloons are tinted, aren't they? There's a slight greyness yes. to them as well, a, yeah. a gunmetal grey almost to them, you know. Mm. Yeah. And so the, yeah, that's a which uh, it's a little bit of weakness, but it, it's yeah. Um, and then there's a following that connected to that piece. There's quite a bit further in the book. There's another scene of him lying in bed, basically playing with you know model airplanes that aren't really there they're just in his mind and he's right. you know just playing above his head um and again it's just that whole i was there remembering it. yeah um so so though it's also set in chapters we should say which is yeah with chapter breaks you know, which um with 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 
pros in the chapter breaks, aren't they, normally, of some, yeah. some kind? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, the, the chapter one opening um, with all men must die, but is given to a few to die for their country, um, which uh, is, is credited to a Colonel Beakspear, uh, Breakspear, I should say. Because um, um, the, the, early, the early enemy ace is... Um, very i've heard him referred to in interviews and stuff as an anti-hero but i don't believe that um i think he is um, a man with this sort of very strong code and the code is quoted continuously in different ways mm. throughout the book and the, for example there's there's a character he comes across called the hangman i think who um yeah. because they're not fighting in the air in a dogfight he can't allow for him to drown so he takes him out of the water and he says yeah. we are eagles if we die it should be in the skies so there's this absolute fascination with being above ground um which pratt uses in dream sequences and in the stories that he tells the journalist but also we hit the ground as well we do have stuff on the ground a lot in this book which um yeah going back through i didn't i'd forgotten it was quite through my first read i'd forgotten it was quite so much you know well and, and when we get to the vietnam space yeah it's definitely. all under it's underground yes yeah very it, true. it's it's the, the juxtaposition yeah um it is one of the first. So, so he meets the um, the journalist in chapter one, and they have the television on, where it basically it's a news report or starting to be news reports from uh, the Vietnam War about what's happening there, and it's um, it, it's talking about an episode that's happened in Vietnam in a hamlet where a whole lot of women and children have been killed, and the enemy ace is then asking, "Are they the enemy now?" Yeah, and it's that's the first time you start going. You know that that's not a, you know that's not in line with his code. Yeah, because like, is you know yeah, you, you fight as soldiers. We recognise each other as soldiers, and then when it's an honourable pursuit, isn't it? In his head, in his yeah, code, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's it, it's that whole thing that you know sport is the replacement for war, where you know when, so when you're on the pitch, you 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 go at each other, but then you come off the pitch and you go to the bar and have a drink together. It's and that's yeah. almost that yeah. sort of thing. We're going well, look. They should, they, you know, this should not be part of this, um, this, this, this battle. Yeah. Um, and Ennis does that. Ennis describes that well, I think, as well. Mm. There's, there's a lot of that. For those that haven't read um, Ennis's, um, what's it called? Um, War in Heaven. Is it? Oh, yes, it is. Uh, yeah. War in Heaven. He, um, he, he basically gets brought back for World War Two, and he eventually says, "Can't do this anymore. This ain't right." And uh, yeah, it's a really well-told story as well, which is really interesting. I think the uh, one of the images from what you're talking about there, from having the television on, is the um, the famous um, photograph of the monk um, setting himself on fire. Um, yeah. And the the I, I looked at that and I thought, oh, he's done that. Look, ain't that incredible the way he's done it? And and that's another one I'm just looking at it now where he's done so much with so little line. You know, incredible, isn't it? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know the fact that he comes comes in with that, going, "I believe in honor," yeah. um, and it, it's the whole whole element of that. And it's the fact yeah. that when he's he's coming back to the the aerodrome, and you've you've got the the guy that runs it, place going, "Oh, another another two kills," yeah, you know, two cuts for you. And he's like going, "No, I'm not. It's not something to celebrate. It's." Yeah. You know, it's something, and we, you know, it's the right thing to do. Because he's a brooder, um, isn't he? In, in the in the original run, he broods, doesn't he? He gets for those yeah. who don't realise. Every time he kills an enemy aircraft or downs an enemy aircraft, he gets a cup. That's how it worked mm. apparently in the First World War, in the Great War, and and in that, he's, he's always got him sitting about brooding or hunting, were the two sort of things he used to do, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. And one of the things they played big on in 
in the earlier books. And it's may, it, it, there's a very brief scene in here is that the only person or the only creature that he has interaction with that you know he has, feels he has on a par with yeah. is um, the black wolf that he meets in the forest, in the black forest. Yeah. And it's, it's the fact that he refers to it as his feral do- um, doppelganger. Yeah. Um, and so therefore that's the relationship where he goes, you know, I, I am a wolf. You know, I, I have to go out and hunt and I will, but I will not hunt for fun. I hunt when I'm hungry type thing. And it is that, that relationship to saying, you know, when I fight, I will fight because I have to. Um, yeah. and, and the, the nearest thing I was trying to think, what is it comparable to, you know, for the, the younger uninitiated readers, you know, and I would think it would probably be like some kind of sort of samurai code. Yeah, there's that, yes. you know, almost yeah, a samurai exactly disguise, that. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, the other thing, while we're getting into this and while we're talking about the artwork, I, I did have to mention the thanks that are in the back of the trade, which <laughs> are lengthy but interesting. Very rarely do I read the thanks, but this one is quite revealing, isn't it? In there, I don't know if you've had a look at it, but one of my favourites was Herb Trimpey, who famously yes, yes, had a biplane. <laughs> I'd like to thank Herb Trimpey for the amazing biplane ride through the Catskill Mountains. Ace has nothing on you, uh, and I'm still cleaning out my drawers from the power drive. They dive. <laughs> so I couldn't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that's um, that, that really does say something where you're going, yeah. He Herb was Trimpey a proper could... hero, Herb, wouldn't he? He was great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the other one was Mark Chiarello, who um, is the yeah. um, person who plays Manuk, who's the the journalist, the ex-Vietnam yeah. soldier, isn't he? Um, I think he he modelled it on him, mm. yeah, which is mm. interesting. Yeah, and he he thanks a, a bountiful amount of people who I'm sure we'll mention when we get into talking about him as well. Yeah, um, which is quite interesting. Other things to to to, to draw out from the from the body of the book. Um, some there's a brilliant battle scene where just it goes on and on. And yeah. you've got people from the ground involved firing at the planes and yeah. oh. crashing and stuff. Um. And you know, eventually he is he is taken down and, um, and, and and crashes, and this is when we we also start to find out about the activity that the the journalist was involved in yeah. Um, yeah. In, in Vietnam, where and I'll fully admit this was a bit of Vietnam I knew nothing about. I don't know an awful lot about Vietnam yeah, War neither. Yeah, yeah. At all, but the fact that there were basically these um, these tunnel rats who. Yeah. You know, they basically they, they they try to flush each other out in terms of how, where they were saying, um, and it goes through the storyline where the journalist had been one of these people who would spend a lot of time underground trying to, to to find the enemy, and basically put one of his colleagues in front of him to save himself. Yeah. Um, it's not quite. It's, it, it, I mean, there's a matter of there's it, a little confusion amongst it, but yeah, that's kind of what happens, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he, he basically uses uh, his his colleague as his, as his defence, and you know, and and then it, that that's what basically drives his PTSD. He has horrendous survivor scope, and yeah. at that, that point, yeah. and it's interesting to say, well, how does that going to relate to what what the enemy is? Piece? And it's you know, it's the fact that the enemy he, he, he understands once he sees that that he's gone through you know this pain. And it then takes us to this sequence in where, where the enemy has landed or has crashed, yeah. um, and suddenly there's going to be, or that the sound goes up for for gas, and yeah. he realizes he doesn't have a gas mask, and he basically goes into hand to hand combat with one of the, the 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 I think it's a French soldier, yeah, just to get his gas mask, and it is this whole, you know. 
only one of us can survive. Yeah. And this is where I think that, you know, the original concept of the enemies comes about was the fact that, yes, you, you know, the, in World War One there was ideologies on all, all sides, but the guys who were fighting on the ground were exactly the same as each other, just being, you know, but they were doing it for, for their thing. Yeah. Um, and it is just that, that, well, who is going to survive for this? And the enemy realizes again that, yeah, that, that is, this is the time he kind of thinks he's broken his, his, his code of honor in some ways, but he knows that he had to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's, he has and the it, advantage because whilst he's flying around, he's also, uh, we know this from reading the other comics, he, you know, he's not having to live in a trench. You know, he's probably eating fairly mm. good food. You know, mm. he has that physical strength to overcome someone who's basically, you know, been bitten by rats all night and been down. I hasn't slept for for years, possibly. You know, um, yeah. and he kills this yeah. dude. Yeah, it has one of the great quotes at this point from the book as well. Some men are marked for death, while others have no choice but to survive. Yeah. And that's where you're like going, yeah. You see, you have to carry, you know, carrying the weight of survival um, for these guys is is as bad as, as it. I love the the actually the painted sequence of the the gas coming in yeah because it gets so the the actual painting that uses there gets so muddy and 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 heavy and mixed it's messy isn't it it's there's a real he just throws paint and slides it across the page to to show the sort of yellow mustard gas doesn't he yeah yeah out of context you would say this is not you know it's not particularly attractive to the page but in the context it's Mm. it really captures the the mood and theme of of, of what he's trying to get across there yeah Yeah, definitely and he 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 gets the gas mask off the guy and he basically holds him in his arms while he dies which is kind of a you know, it's it's like I'm having to do this so I. Yeah, um, yeah, no, it's great. It's incredible. And then from then we lead into the um, the famous or you know the famous no man's land story, which I was surprised he did actually. But I actually yeah. found he he gave added depth to it because he gives a commentary on different people talking in different accents and voices and what they're saying to each other across this misty cold field, doesn't he? It's, it's actually incredible. Mm. Yeah, it, it's. It's lovely that this way it's been done. There is, and, and maybe it's a bit being a bit older now, being a bit cynical. It is the the go to point yeah, on any World be. War One storyline, yeah. right? So there there is a bit of me kind of going, could you not find something else? There's also a mild um, view with regard to historical inaccuracy here, right? In okay. That the type, the type of plane that he's he's known for flying, the the well, I've got it written down here, the Fokker D one. Yeah. Um, didn't actually really come into play until 1916. Oh, well, obviously, okay. this is right. accredited to, to 1914 in terms of the, the Christmas truce because there wasn't, and while there were certain Christmas truces in 1950, it was a lot, lot less, and it wasn't, it was more just, there wasn't the crossing the no man's land piece, it was more just singing songs to each other across the, across the I get you. yeah i mean i know um, what you mean man we've all seen the all together now video you know we've all seen the paul mccartney thing you know it's it has yeah. you're right it has been overdone a little bit but because he does it so beautifully and that double oh, that double yeah. page spread mm. fucking hell and it, it's it's the fact that he, he then can slowly walk across the no man's yep. land piece and it, it is but it yeah you're right it's so beautifully done and the I see. This is where, where I talk about. If you look at some of his, his sketches on his website, and that where he does all the different soldiers from different okay, yeah, um, that makes sense. countries. Yeah, you can start to see where some of this picks up. Yeah, you can. You can see the French, the French, can't you? You can see, and then just from the shape of the helmets, the Tommy, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's the the way he actually paints the glasses on the the British soldier <laughs> yeah. is is really just so good. 
Um, yeah, and it, it, again, it's, just, it's him. This is where he's going. This is his survivor's guilt piece coming through and how he, how he, he, he picks up with it. Yeah. Um, the storytelling technique, the storytelling options that he adopts here, I really like as well because it's not short on writing you know it's not completely wordless no. throughout there's a lot of um, text on these pages but when he reverts from a flashback back to the present day as he does at the end of this we get a moment we almost get like I a have... moment of thought so when he it's comes a, yeah he comes out of the no man's land story into the into him sitting there and it's it's the view of the journalist at him and the journalist is looking at um uh, enemy ace and he's sitting there in his white pajamas with his gray hair looking very gaunt just looking at the ground in his wheelchair and it's so poignant it's so well done for bear in mind pratt we'll talk about in a minute didn't do many comics but he seems to fucking no. have a grasp of it don't he straight off the bat oh, you know uh, absolutely yeah. yeah um yeah and it, it's it's that sequence after that so again one of the great quotes was you know you must find something to displace um the, the horror something that can sustain you for me there was flight yeah and again that's where yeah. you can see him just again dreaming that little bit about you know we, he, that he could fly yeah that moment where he holds his hand and says that will let you live and it's so out of, out of character mm. for the man we know to be enemy ace because he's very stoic and he's very sort of um standoffish yeah. isn't he but in that last throw of his life when he knows he sees a you know someone who who he can see he says to him i can see that you were in the war in your eye you know, I can see it reflected mm. in your eyes. And that moment there, so well done, so gorgeously done. Yeah, really yeah, was. Yeah. And then, the, as I say, the final sequence is um, essentially the, his, his death of old age, where yeah. but he, he, he hands over the mantle by, by passing over the, um, the, the, the diary um, and then watches the birds fly. And it's the, him watching the birds fly that, that this when he just slowly passes. Um which again is just, just lovely, you know, coda to the whole thing. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's slightly different. I, I wrote in my notes. That I felt reading it that it would slightly different artistically because it's more. I don't know how to put it. It's perhaps more in focus, more in the light, maybe. Well, um, because, remember, so at the end of chapter five, he says, "I think I can go outside tomorrow." Yeah. Um, which is the come back tomorrow morning and they tell me I can leave this room now. Yeah. Actually, yeah. It doesn't even say. Actually, didn't really think thought that leaving the room is actually him leaving the, the, the room. stage. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, so it's it's the first, it's the only chapter in the book, if you like, that's outside in 1969. Yeah. Yeah. Because everything else is either outside in in, um, in France or outside or when well, generally underground yeah. in Vietnam. Um, so it, it is. It's, a, it's, a, it's probably the lightest chapter in terms of sort of like the colouring and stuff, in terms of the the, the brightness, um, and it it gives that, that that feeling that you've not had elsewhere here yeah. in the book. Yeah, there's a big metaphor. There's a big. Um, there's a flight is a huge a huge story through this, isn't it? It's it's the the battle and the opening and the and the doves at the end and mm. um, the you know the view over the earth and. There's there's a big comparison between flight and release and flight and death, isn't there? This is yeah. this two, this, this sort of duality that it, it leads mm. you down a path through it. Yeah, it's very clever, utterly yeah. clever. Yeah. And then so the, the, it then has these just properly kick you 
in the shins. Yeah. It has these sketchbook pages at the end, which again, you kind of initially are going, oh, some nice little sketches, some more little nice little quotes, you know, things like, oh, at least things will be over in three weeks. And you're like, oh, yeah. And then <laughs> the very last sketch, which is a, a soldier sort of walking away. Um, and it, 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 this is just like a, a biopen sketch, yeah. thing we think. And the, the final line, which is, but that's what young men are for, which is attributed to Adolf Hitler. Oh, Christ, I know, yeah, yeah. So you're like going, oh, this is, you know, because you've, you've just gone through this whole World War One storyline going, yes, okay, it's it, you know, it's horrendous what's happened, but it's, it's you know, and then you're just like going, by the way, there's more to come. Yeah. I, and, you know, and it, that, that was, was a proper kick. Yeah, I get you, man. Well, I've, I heard... I heard a podcast we'll talk about it in a minute actually Pratt described it as an anti-war portrait of two men in conflict and it's kind mm. of interesting yeah not in conflict with each other but in having come from conflict you know yeah yeah oh, yeah, oh. yeah really interesting stuff yeah it is incredible there's a um a great podcast I don't know if you I need to start listening to it today um it's it's called Everyday Artist um and it's where Pratt t- talks to his. He's, he's obviously a buddy. I think um, George obviously is a teacher now, and he's got yeah. this. He teaches with this guy called Brent Watkinson, who's. If you when you start listening to it, you think, "Oh, Brent's a bit NPR." Do you know what I mean? He's a bit radio <laughs> for, but he's um he's actually the nice the, the nicest relationship between these two dudes who they have a little bit of a moan about students. You know, they talk about their process, yeah. but there's some really interesting talk on there about how he talks about when art's finished, um, and ha- how you, how you accomplish what he's accomplished and he's quite self-effacing pratt in his description of his abilities it's because i do it every day yeah that's how i do so it the, you know there's a couple of youtube videos as well where i think it's basically him videoing himself or basically setting up a zoom type call to, right. or, you know, that, that has been for one of his classes okay. and it goes through some of the enemy sketchbook elements and, and how, how he that. and the fact that as he went through the process with enemy that's where he found that you could do less and less and still get more and more into the picture. Yeah. And that, you know, and that that's where I think you see the difference between some of the really heavy rendered elements of, of which you know, the, the, the dogfight scenes at the beginning of this book yeah. and then compare it to the No Man's Land sketchbook where yeah. you know that underneath those, those beautifully painted pieces, there's these very light touch sketches as well. Um, and it, it's the... The, the feeling and all that you get from some of the lighter sketches as well, yeah. where you're again, there's because it's almost like the shadow of of somebody passing, and you're going, that's the the glimpse of memory of what was there. There's a really instinctual um, feel to what he does, isn't there? There is, mm. yeah, really gorgeous. I heard him say uh, in this interview, he said. Um, a, a painting doesn't have to be perfect; it just has to be interesting. And I thought, oh, I love that quote. Yeah, you know, it's just yes. just brilliant, you know. Because if you look at some of the shapes and stuff that's on the page, it's it's not you know exactly. He's not measured it, you know. It's not technical drawing, but it works no. so brilliantly, you know. Yeah. And, and and there are some things where if something does look right, exactly, it looks wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was, yeah. And there's loads of stuff about anatomy with that, where you you know if you look if you draw it exactly as you see it in front of you, actually. It doesn't look right on the page at all, and it's better to do that little twist and shake to to, to get it, you know, so it looks more comfortable to the eye. I think than that's why what the reality is uh, totally, man. I think that's why I got a little bit of a reality shake in the last chapter because it's mm. so it's not more rendered; it's just more open. You know, you can see the old man; you see all of his features. Mm. Where mostly he's been sh- in shadow, you know. 
Yeah. Oh, and again, I think that's just because it's that whole. Yeah. Uh, this is this is the end, and this is outdoors. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit. I'm, I'm, Come on, sorry. I'm glad that was because you you said you hadn't read this before. This no. is a great forgotten book. I agree as, totally. As as I don't know why I missed it. Um, I'm kicking myself for missing it, man. I I had a real revelationary moment reading this. I I thought it was it, just simply perfect. It was the kind of book that was just perfect to me sitting there on a, a lonely Norfolk beach to read. It was just ideal. It's one of those reading experiences you don't forget. You know, there's the case, you know, those books you read and you can remember where you were when you read them, you know? Yeah. And, and really, because that's exactly, I said, this, and it's been a long time since I reread it. Yeah. Um, so I was, was glad I had the opportunity. But this is one of the books that has stuck with me Yeah, okay, a yeah. long time. I think I've talked this before about things like there are certain characters that you, you just carry with you, even though that you, yeah. you don't see them at all. Um, and, and this is a book where I, I know what it was about. Um, there's bits and pieces that you always misremember, but um, it, it is something that, that should be read by a lot more people for some bizarre reason. I it's totally agree. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I know, I know we, we talked about this before we came on air, but the, and it's something we'll probably talk about who's comparable to Pratt these days. And um, I mm. mentioned to you Martin Simmons and Martin Simmons co- totally yeah. coincidentally this this week um, posted an image of it and said how great it is. Yeah, and um, yeah, I'll definitely be messaging him to say have a listen. But yeah, I think I think you're right, man. Totally, it should yeah, be read by multiple he's, people. He's, he's right there. Yeah, but it's yeah, good. So I know I was I was delighted that, that, that you, you it's right. I was it's one of those books where I was like, excited and trepidatious about I know, going yeah, because I'm like going. Yeah. I really look forward to reading myself, but what if Tony doesn't like it? Mm. <laughs> That's the reason I haven't because... done Master of Kung Fu on here because I don't, I don't want anyone to make me sad by not liking it. You know, it's a bit like that. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're such old women, aren't we? Anyway, let's talk uh, a little bit about George Pratt. Shall we? So, born thirteenth yeah. of October, nineteen sixty, in Beaumont, Texas, before moving up to New York. He describes himself as a big, a big spinner rack kid. Um, he was a fan of Sergeant Rock, Haunted Tank, as a kid. Um, now you'll know this, but. At one point, he was doing. I think he did. He, he made this sort of fanzine with his pals um, as a kid, and um, he thought, "Oh fuck it!" And back then, you could just get a phone book and look up people's phone numbers. So he looked mm. up Michael Kaluta um, yep. in the phone book and just asked. And Kaluta invited him round, and he went round and spent the day with Michael Kaluta, which I know is an experience that you yourself have had, my friend. So yes. yeah. <laughs> Not far off having done the same, but you know, just having to, use, having to use the email version rather than the phone book version, if you like. Brilliant. Um, the, the one thing that's another. So, yeah, and that's yeah, that's that thing about, about the comics community. We actually all do interact in that, that wonderful way. Yeah. Um, you're right, he's not done an awful lot of books yeah. either. Um, I reread his, his main Batman book that he did, which was Harvest Breed as well, yeah. in, in part of this. Um I'm not going to lie, it's not as good as the enemy is. Yeah, I remember um, you saying to me that some of the lettering was a little bit too, almost too small to read in, in a way, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. uh, it's, there's, there's a section in that book where the it, it goes to, into to script writing rather than um, sort of written text that you would normally expect to see in um, in a comic. And it's it's just too small on top of the, and it, it's one of these things where the, the colour choices to separate weren't great yeah so i'm not necessarily going to put that down to george's himself because the actual underlying paintings and there's certain images in that that are again absolutely beautiful in terms of the, yeah he, he does a very gothic horror version of um of batman yep. which is it's really nice and then nominated for um, an eisner um and then the other mm. one we both read i think recently is um wolverine netsuki um which won yeah. an eisner which is one of the i did buy at the time obviously been a, a wolverine mark and that's a pretty that's a pretty great book yeah, yeah. and again that's because at the time you were doing or the, the, they were doing 
painted comics. We don't really, you know, you've got Martin doing it at the moment, yes, yeah. but we don't really do such a thing as painted comics. Um, and as I say, I think the interesting thing is that to me, George Pratt is a painter who did comics, not a comic creator who does paintings. Yeah, okay, um, yeah. And, you know, cause sometimes you get that, it, you know, you, you've got some great, artists who will and to be fair we've got lots in the uk because a lot of 2018 simon davis is actually a really good example yeah he's a great example yeah very um, true yeah who you know will will do painted comics um but yeah now, now the other thing that everyone forgets is that he did the first five covers for batman legends of the dark knight oh, as well yeah. yeah but you forget that because the first cover has got the wraparound it's got that um, weird colored. thing on the top of it isn't it yeah yeah um, okay. So you, you, you don't really, you know, and again, that was a big deal. Yeah, it was, because that, that was, was a the first big collector's book, big wasn't it? Batman book, yeah. you know, it's the first Batman book in I don't know how many years. Um, so there was, there was a lot of that. But but yeah, he, he's now a teacher. Yeah. The, um, um, he, he did some covers for Heavy Metal. Um, he did some yeah. stuff for Epic Illustrated. I've seen reference that he drew for Eagle. Now, I haven't found what he did. Do you know... I don't think no, it was I, the American Eagle, the, the American Comic Eagle. I'm guessing it was our Eagle, but I'm not sure what that is. No, I haven't not found clear. at all what that is. A um, couple of other things, stories that I found interesting about him. At art school, he was a roommate of Daniel Klaus, believe it or not. Imagine those <laughs> two in a room together. Um, <laughs> uh, Peter Cooper was in his um, course as well. Uh, Peter Cooper's great. I love Peter Cooper's work. Um, he also went, um, whilst art school, kind of got invited over to um i think it was he was jeffrey jones at the time but obviously we know we know them as jeffrey yeah. catherine jones now sadly passed away and um basically him and a couple of mates stayed at um jeffrey jones's place and they just painted all night and he said mm-hmm. he couldn't sleep so he got up and just like flicked through all these canvases that were jeffrey jones's art and you're thinking fucking hell there was it's another one of these like the studio isn't it because it was around the same time it was it's one of these moments where everything was just there was this you know, it was like I don't know. It was like Greenwich Village in the late sixties. It was just for music. It was this for art, wasn't it? It was a a real moment of comic artists coming together and just yeah. trying stuff. I see that he's actually he's also um, exhibited um, at Society of Illustrators. Okay, which yeah. I don't know. Have you ever gone to Society when, um, when you've been in New York? Is that the one down the bottom in Broadway there? Um, I think I might have done. And you say the bottom, what, do you mean down by the battery? Or yeah, do you south, mean, no, yeah. Right, no, it's north. Oh, okay, no, it's not the one um, I've been to then, yeah, okay. It's nearer, it's nearer Bloomingdale's, there you go. Um, oh, no, that is the one, <laughs> sorry, no, yeah, that is the one. Yeah, no, that is the one I've been to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. um, I've been there a couple of times. Um, and it, it's it, it's somewhere I always try to go to when I'm in New York, yeah. purely because the, there's always something on. I think the last time I was there was the artwork from the March Set of books, oh the, nice oh, okay yeah i think i read yeah. about that actually yeah yeah and again that was just a, a nice thing to see and i think it was time for that it was original artwork from the gruffalo and, and stuff okay yeah okay. Um, and you know which again but it, it's, it's a beautiful place to go see um and that's what the last thing to point out in terms of work that people might know him from is he's done magic the gathering cards yes which makes a lot of sense in terms of that, that fantasy style of, of yeah um, ideally suits and i hope i hope that he makes a few quid out of them do you know what i mean because i know he will have put a lot of effort into each of them ones you know yeah i i know a lot of people have made a lot of money out of good them, and so it's um it, it's, it's good for like you sense. say he's a big teacher yeah. though isn't he so he's taught to um uh, weirdly unconnectedly he talked to the, he taught he attended the pratt institute for a while 
in New York, mm. and he later taught at Joe Kubert School, um, the SVA, School of Visual Arts, which we hear a lot about on here, yeah. but a lot of people talk about that, and loads of other places. You know, you can find his art, you know, where he's taught at a lot of different schools all over the place. If you go to georgepratt.com, you can find all his stuff, and there's some there's some great stuff on there. I didn't realise until he liked a tweet of yours that you mentioned me, and that he's on Twitter as well, mm. <laughs> interestingly. Yeah. 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 So it's, and he's also on Facebook. Um, right, okay. I, I did try to ask him a question through Facebook, and unfortunately, he didn't reply but um, I can imagine that that's a oh here's another random question coming in I can understand that's not a problem a couple of other um, awards he's run he, in France he won the award best foreign language book um, he won the speakeasy award for this and he it's actually recommended reading material at West Point Military Academy can you believe that there yeah. you go that's interesting yeah as well it should be yeah um, <laughs> it's yeah yeah and but, um, but uh, we, we've talked a lot about the art there but the and you've mentioned a lot of the lines of dialogue, and the, but he has got a re, there's a real poetry to his writing as well, isn't there? Um, dreams of dying, and you know when they're talking about there's a lot of talk about the angel of death. Um, if I could see him clearly in the whole, I would see myself. There's it, there's a real touch of the poetry about his writing in this, just beautifully. And, and, and that's where I think there is a distinct balance between this and World War One poetry. Yeah, that, exactly. That yeah. All of us in the UK had to do at some point in time yep. as part of our, our English. Yeah, we had Wilfred Owen <laughs> and Secret so soon and all this sort of thing. Yeah, we? Yeah, exactly. yeah. And th- this is playing with that and playing in that field and, and is, is doing so with a degree of respect and uh, a degree of empathy that, that is, is spot on. Yeah. This is, you know, I, I've got very little about this book that I can, you know, could pick holes in um, because even the things that you start to pick holes in you kind of go but it's memory and it's therefore things do get mixed together so yeah the fact that he's mixing yeah. ni- something that happened in 1914 with 1916 doesn't matter i, mean, I can't remember do you know what i mean yeah. so yeah you can forget so that, that yeah. all those yeah. things come together as, as being the right you know the right balance so no it, it, it's it, as i say to me it's um something that i would would recommend to absolutely everybody. I, you know, when you you say who who would you recommend this book to? I I, I cannot think of anyone who, who would not take something from this book, yeah. either from the visuals or the story, or the the you know, the whole element of what it's trying to tell you. Yeah, I mean, to me, if you're enjoying the books of Sinkevich or um, you're enjoying the you know um, the Department of Truth, or you're enjoying anything by John J. Muth, or you've read mm. the Studio, you know, or you like you know first world war poetry or you like um science fiction album covers anything that's just well drawn you know with that that artistic flair you will dig this you know Mm -hmm. you're right man it should be an evergreen it should be and i couldn't i had to buy it off ebay yeah you can't you're not expensive no no and it wasn't (laughs) thankfully but yeah it it fucking should be but you know it's not is it yeah it really isn't yeah yeah i think maybe because enemy ace isn't a constant character in our in our view is he um, do we want? Do yeah. you want to spend a couple of minutes just talking a little bit about his creation? Because he was um, kind of created by Robert Kaniger, wasn't he? And developed by Joe Kubert. I think Kubert was yep. called into Kaniger's office and said, "Why don't we do a story about a German, you know, pilot in the First World War?" And it was kind of a different thing, wasn't it? Because most comics were about American GIs and stuff like that, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. So, and again, this was 1965. So yep. by that point, it is a there's a bit of a anti-war thing about trying to say well look, let, let's tell the story from all sides okay um and i think by by making it a world war one character rather than a world war two character you know there was enough distance to to to, yeah. to say that um 
And then you're right, it's all about, you know, creating a code of honor around the character and actually saying that there's, that there's that, you know, that there's more to it than just saying, oh, it's A fights B and, yeah. and actually creating that, that story of saying, well, look, there's a reason why people fight the way they do and, the, you know, and what they carry with them. Yeah, um, it's full of sort of and very... And it's not done with vengeance. Yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. And it's full of great lines. I wrote it down a few. The sky has no favourites. Uh, the sky is a friend to no man. Tomorrow is another day of battle. It's like constant stuff. I loved it so much. It's just this sort of mm. brilliant line mm. after line of stoic, you know, warrior language. You know, um, yeah. F- uh, first appearance of our army at war, February sixty-five, or cover cover dated February sixty-five. Yeah, yeah, it really is good. And Cubit draws most of it through that period, does he? I think, or do we get anyone else on it? Um, oh, there was a couple of others. Yeah, that were in the thing here so i'm going to open up the um artist edition oh nice version yeah yeah where yeah so some of it was by russ heath oh, of course yeah <laughs> you're kind of going yeah who else are you going to get to drop yeah, planes exactly. of course yeah brilliant um i think there's a little neil adams in here as oh well. really okay yeah, neil adams uh, as well oh wow and when we start getting to star spangled the war stories number 144 <laughs> um oh so, my yeah, only goes up to 142 they are misty yeah <laughs> I've missed it. Okay, not going. Uh, but yeah, so I think you know the, it, it is that, and as you say, he's been then revisited later on by by different you know, Garth Ennis. It's an okay story, and then you know, moving it into the World War Two piece. The thing there is, it's Chris Weston did the art, yeah, which is spot on. Chris is the that, that perfect you know fit for this, and um, I, I had the joy of going up to to Chris at a, a convention at one point with a sketchbook and asking if he would draw a little fucker. Um, <laughs> Which I think amused him, and then he realised that he was going to get asked that a lot. <laughs> so yeah, was, yeah. Like, it's funny, it was funny the first time. There's a few other places um, he's propped up. So Guns, Guns of the Dragon from '98, um, Tim Truman, where he teams up with Batlash and Biff Bradley. I haven't read that, and I must read really no like Tim Truman yeah. stuff. Um, 2008, he was in the War That Time Forgot, um, which I read. It's okay. And yeah. 2009, he made an entry into there was a booster gold time travel thing. Um, more recently, and I haven't. I'm I'm not up to date with the death metal stuff. I don't know about you, man. Are you reading that stuff? No. no. He's, um, I, I, I passed it by. Yeah, me yeah. too. It was a little section I could put aside and maybe one day I'll go and read. But he's he's revived by Batman, who's using the Black Lantern ring. Um, there is, I think, does he appear in one of the cartoons? There's certainly a um, an action figure of him, isn't there? Yeah, so I think he's in... I know he was in Batman Braving the Bold, right. which yeah. is... Again, a thing, you know, and I, I can't remember if you appeared in the Justice League storyline at one point. Again, that sort of flashback element piece. Um, so, yeah, he's a character that they, they dip in and out of from time to time. Yeah. Um, but to me, you know, it, it's, it's this whole thing about, you know, certain characters work best in the time period for which they're supposed to be associated with. The okay. Shadow works best in the 1930s. Yeah. Enemy Ace is a World War One character. Yeah, the so World War Two thing doesn't yeah. quite gel. I think I really like what he does in it, and I think the ending with you know where Sergeant Rock turns up and yes. stuff like that is good. But he's he's flying these sort of jets. They're not they're not quite jets, but they look like jets. And you think, no, I want his I want his scarf in the wind. I want his goggles on. You know, I want that's what I want off him. You know, definitely. Yeah. 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 There was a, there was another little um, uh, curio that I I sent you a Phantom Eagle. Now, not yeah. not being a Marvel guy, I know you probably because he's so minimally 
um, featured in Marvel, but he's um, a US pilot called Carl Kaufman, who comes from a German family. He um, his origin is in Marvel Superheroes 16, which is drawn by the aforementioned Herb Trimpey, um, and is just a sort of visually very, very like, um, very, very like Enemy Ace, but from with it, and not even heavily Americanized. You know, it's just same sort of goggles, same sort of cap. You know, he's got that scarf thing going on. Um, he um, met the Hulk in issue Incredible Hulk issue one three five when Kang sent the Hulk back time traveling. Believe it or not, he's been brought back in the two thousands as part of Union Jack's Freedom Five, a sort of little super team in a, um, in Marvel Comics. And interestingly enough, he's um, he was used by Airfix. In uh, now, if you look at the, I sent you a, a, I sent you a picture of it, didn't I? It was the Airfix, yeah, Airfix for Airfix models. For those kids who don't know, Airfix were like little, you could build planes, and you know, I think they probably still exist. Um, but in, in the background, you can see the Fokker, can't you? You can see the red, yes. the red plane. Yeah. I thought you cheeky fuckers, yeah, you put that, what you put that in there for? <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah. you've also got yeah, the, the Snoopy connections as that's well. That's true. And, and the Red like Baron, that. but yeah. that's yeah, that that is is true. Connected to the Red Baron. Yeah, yeah. And um, you found him in uh, you found him in a couple of other places as well, didn't you? What was it you sent me? So then? the one other thing I found him in is I, I dug out the the old DC Heroes role playing game uh, uh, yeah. a few weeks back for for other reasons, um, just because I was lining it up against the the who's who. Um, book and so yeah, so he, he appears in who, DC Who's Who, and it's in, it's that, which is an interesting thing because again, that's written 1986 ish. Um, okay, and within that, it actually says that it believes he died at, towards the end of the First World War. So, oh, it, 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 okay, yeah, <laughs> at, at that point, they, they, they didn't sort of recon him into anything else, but yeah, the, the DC Heroes role playing game has a, has a section in it where it features some of the war characters, and you could tell what his um, the points that he had in terms of skills and dexterity. <laughs> it's like a top trumps <laughs> yeah, thing, so, isn't it? I've not played it, but it's a bit like a top trumps, no, yeah. I've never, oh, I, well, yeah, I think it's it's. Yeah, I think you've probably got to be uh, your, your D&D background if you want to play the DC Heroes game. Yeah. It's something I picked up at one point in travels. And went, oh, mate, we well, would pick up anything that was connected with comics back then, wouldn't we? But now you couldn't afford yeah. to do that. It just There was so very little out there that we would pick this stuff up, wouldn't we? Because it's just, yeah. 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 Uh, oh Is he in that who's who? Because I've got the, um, the, bar, the, yep. the bound ones as well, you know? Well, I don't know if it's in the bound ones. Right, the the ones that came the binders. And the, that's the ones. The whole yeah. Punk stores. yeah, yeah. That, that I don't know. That I didn't. I'll have to have a flick through. That's in that's in the loft, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, now the the most recent who's who omnibus that, that DC. Ah, oh, yes. Did you get that? Did you? That collects the the who's who versions from. Oh, you're making me go to them. eBay. You're making me go to Amazon now. You do this to me every week. It's got all the George <laughs> Perez covers. Yeah. yeah. Um, you want me to be on these this podcast and ask me to do research in advance. I've got to get the research <laughs> exactly. books to do it with. Yeah, I need to spend That's lots the... of money. Don't worry. Yeah, it'll be done. Yeah, good stuff. Um, those are the challenges. So, um, so yeah, those are the places that he appears. Uh, the last other reference that I'm not entirely sure it's entirely him or not, but there's allegedly um, Sparky Comics, okay. the, the parody um, of Enemy Ace. Which was Baron von Reich's pudding. Oh right, okay. Um, but uh, whether that's him or it's just generic um, German pilot that they're, they're making fun of. I, uh, I don't nice know. one. But yeah, well, I mean that's a hell of a book, man. Thanks for that choice. That was really good. Um, so pleased you like. Yeah, it. no, over the moon, yeah. man. Absolutely over the moon. It it has a singular emotional content. It's unlike anything else. It's um, it's the comic mm. that I can see a lot of people out there. 
you know who are currently the hot stuff would be going i wish i could write like that you know yeah it's 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 almost like, I think I've used this metaphor before, but I read a martial arts book once about a guy who would learn judo and he was a judo student and he went up into the hills and um, learned the foot sweep and he came, he went down into the town and he defeated everyone with the foot sweep and then he disappeared off and they said, where are you going now? And he says, I'm going to go and find, try and learn a shoulder throw. And it's almost like George has done that, hasn't he? He's turned up in comics. Mm. He's, he knows what he's doing. He's gone, here you go. And they've gone, what? You know, oh my God. Yeah. And he's disappeared off again. <laughs> I wish yeah. you'd come back, uh, you know. Well, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just this back again would be good. It's, it's not even on comicology. That's it's the, not, is it? Have, why is it not on criminal. there? It's criminal. I mean, it's, I can understand why certain books don't get, you know, go out of print, but something that, you know, you go, how much hassle is it to put it onto a digital platform for, <laughs> for something like this? Fuck where it, it's, it's so of this time as much as it was that time as well. Yeah. Because... We I just mean, had the centenary... And, 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 you know, the, people are talking about the First World War a lot these days. Um, well, yeah. I, 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 when I bought this in 1990, and I know you were going to give out some details about um, PTSD help um, options. Yeah, I, I knew nothing about PTSD in 1990. No, me neither. PTSD yeah. didn't didn't really become into the public domain as a as a big thing until maybe maybe the mid 90s at the earliest when there was a you know post, post first gulf, gulf war and stuff but it's now something that is, is entirely recognized and people are much more understanding of and open to talking about you know yeah. or, or, or recognized that you know if somebody says that they you know they know someone with ptsd you'd know what they what it is you know and you're willing to say right fine there's a degree of understanding there so that, that you know while when, the, when this book came out this this would not have been as well known as a you know as an issue or a concern yeah um certainly not to general to the general populace um so even that has moved on where you can say that the relevance of this is even more relevant um yeah completely so, utterly, uh, man i think when people do talk we're not afraid to talk about it now um uh, even in the mm. 70s you know post vietnam people didn't talk about it. it was still sort of referred to no. as shell shock wasn't it you know and stuff like that yeah mm. and um and it is a real illness you know it, it genuinely does affect people you know they find it they find it hard to enjoy things they find it hard, hard to build relationships you know there's that you know the, the, one of the common traits of people who have ptsd is that they they've been they wear noise cancelling headphones because they can't cope with the sudden noises and it brings it back and stuff yeah and there's a lot of soldiers mm. living rough on the streets of London, you know. There really is. And they're throughout the country. And these people are ill. And it needs being recognised. Yeah, you're right, man. And the, um, the, the you're right, I did look up um, Mind. I'm a big lover of Mind as a charity. I think they do some outstanding work. You can go to mind.org.uk. Um, they're a mental health charity. And they do offer um, counselling for people um, at reduced or even free rates for people who can't afford it. Um, they've got a, um, an info helpline, which is 0300 one two three 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 nine three. So oh three hundred one two three 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 nine three. An absolutely brilliant organisation who um, I try and give a few quid to every year. Yeah, yeah, very worthwhile, definitely. Good stuff, man. Excellent. Um, should we talk a bit? Let's talk a bit about Mr. Henderson at the moment. Uh, in front of me, I can see a picture of Peter Rabbit. Although you are, I know you've your your um, penguins whilst they're daily i seem to they seem to be on them daily these days at the moment I sort of appearing in my feed constantly now you and all crackers <laughs> what's happening uh, no i think that's the whatever the algorithm, uh, the algorithm is, oh, okay. is just throwing us yeah. well there are two penguins that get published every day but one's from three years ago i get you okay <laughs> so yeah the um yeah the, the penguin 
Twitter feed is is working its way through. Uh, yeah, let's say three years ago. I can't remember. While while the the, the Shadow Link seventy two Twitter feed is is the up to date piece, and that's what goes on Instagram as well. So it, it's all up to date. Um, so no, there's there is only one a day still that, that, that's going out there. Um, and we're working our way towards. We're still working our way towards strip two thousand. I know. What number are you on now? Can you say or? Um, so I, I, when we were at the drinking draw on Friday, there, well, at that I drew nineteen seventy four. It's did. amusing me at the moment that I'm now going. This, this is the years of my life we're working with. Him. I did love that man because um, I can't remember who it was. Was it Ian Ashcroft? You said, "Oh, I'm on one thousand nine hundred seventy four, and he went, "You're what? Like it's fucking hell." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so it's getting there. I, I still don't know if I'm going to do anything particularly special for two thousand because yeah. I I'd thought about doing the crowd scene, but then I just drew it the other day and just posted it. I saw so that. Yeah, was, yeah, it was great. Yeah, um, really good. You know, yeah, yeah. The, the the band of idiots behind it, um, where, where the lookalikes of certain people. Yeah, there's a few, a, bit, a few people. Decide that. whether whether you recognise yourself <laughs> in it or not. Um, and yeah, so that that continues on that. Um, I've decided that there will not be another book this year. I'm going to try and hold that off until next year. Okay. Purely because, um, try, well, I, it would not be, it would be really touch and go as to whether it was ready in time for a thought bubble. Okay. And therefore, yeah. it's not in time for a thought bubble. Don't put I'm yourself under pressure. January. It's meant to be fun as well, isn't it? Sometimes we put ourselves exactly. under pressure, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Combined with the fact that there's only so much table space and not having had cons for you know for a year and a half now or two or it will be two years by the time we get around to it, um, you know there's, there's there's all the books that people have not seen already. So yeah, and you've why, got the, why have another one to add that list? You've got the anthology as well. You're doing in the Drink and Draw anthology, yeah. aren't you? So in the Drink and Draw anthology with H, yeah, and doing a little bit of work again with the that comic smell guys nice. to, to be in their their anthology. So yeah, well it's taken along on that basis. Everything's you know, and again try to do the odd painting here and there to Yeah. You know, put them back in the shop because I sell one of them a month. Oh that's nice man. Oh, about, stuff. Which is, yeah, 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 yeah. I often see uh, I, often, I like I like to see the interest in those. It gets it gets a nice amount of interest on Twitter, your art and the yeah, it's good stuff. Um is there anything else you've been buying recently that you wanted to mention? Any any books you're sort of really feeling at the moment or um, you know the best book I'm reading at the moment, and is Nightwing. Right? Oh, do you know it's, what I paid attention to, to? I can't remember it was. I think it was Eleven O'clock Comics talking about it the other day, and I bought the last three, and they're sitting here waiting to be read. Uh, it's brilliant, right? Yeah, you know, it's, Nightwing is one yeah. of these books that ticks along from time to time, yeah. goes up and down, terror. But at the moment, it's really, really good, um, and so it really surprises me at the moment. And then the book that completely threw me as as being outstandingly better than, than I thought it was going to be. Um, was Future State Gotham. Oh, um, okay. Which right. is actually black and white. <laughs> it was one of those where I opened it, it was black and white, and you kind of go, oh, have I got a misprint? But no, no, <laughs> it's meant to be in black and white. Um, and is, um, yeah, it's it, it been really good from from, from that side of things. And it, it's been fun for me to get back into some of the American comics yeah. that I'm actually enjoying again. Yeah. Because of a long period of time of going... We trip along a bit, don't we, sometimes? It becomes a chore, <laughs> some issues, don't they? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Because yeah, you, know, you're talking about all the metal books from, from DC. I I bailed on them quite early on because right. I'm like, I'm just not enjoying this or following it. And why I'm picking up many series that I'm never going to get, you know, <laughs> yeah. get through and, and enjoy. Um, there's... A mini series that I started reading yesterday. No, I'll name names, whatever. Yeah, the, the, the Neil Adams book the, <laughs> that's just come out, Batman and Rachel Gould. Okay, yeah. And oh my gosh, it's awful. <laughs> um, it, I mean, 
they are. It's, really, it's Neil Adams art. It's it, it is really nice, and the dead man in there as well. Okay, which to, for for no apparent reason, yeah. other than it's Neil Adams drawing. Yeah. Let him let him pretend. Like, but there, it, it, yeah, there's a reason that Neil Adams is a really good artist. <laughs> I know he took a hit, didn't he? Why, with why make him a writer? He took a hit yeah. when he did that thing about the coffee machine at the start of one mini series, didn't he? What was that series uh, where he, he went on about having bought a cappuccino machine or something for the Batcave? And I thought, is he the fucking mentor? Or this is genius. I can't quite make my mind up, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm like you, man. I buy every single X book and every single Avengers book, and I read some of them, and some of them I think I'll read that later. You know. And uh, there's a few have piled up. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm playing catch or something. I, I've actually cut down on my my US comic buying. You feel like yeah. quite a bit. Um, and so yeah, and again, I'm I'm a little bit looking forward to getting back to cons at some point and seeing what I've been missing from from people that you don't know and you don't see. Agreed. Yeah. Um, coming through because um, I've been picking up the usual bits and pieces. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, Sa- the Saxons bookstore. All right. Was that one I read the other day? Which um, the Gustavo's most recent one. Um, it, it, it's beautiful. Oh, that is Again, lovely, isn't it? Yeah. Expect. Yeah. I, I invested um, in a page of him, man, because I think it's. I think it is an investment when it comes to him. You know. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. So those, those are the things. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Right now, we decided we would air our next book live, so people can prepare. Um, yes, they, they too can do all the research. <laughs> so I don't, yeah. I, I'm not entirely sure what research. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. Let's not go on the piss with yeah. Bisley. But yeah, so what book so, what book have you chosen for us? I, I think if people go through the you know, think this is the eleventh time that I've been with you. Yeah. Um a lot of the stuff we've done been a little bit heavy. Um not necessarily the, the lightness. So I'm gonna gonna trip to, to something a little bit um lighter and a little bit more anarchic. Yeah. Um but I'm still gonna hit my sweet spot of saying early nineties was when all good comics came right. out. Yeah. Um and we're gonna do the First miniseries, um, Lobo, the last Caesarian. Brilliant. Or last Caesarian, for anyone you're, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're thinking, what the joke was. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so we'll listen we'll, we'll, we'll to that. I, I think alongside it, I will also read um, The Total Wisdom of Lobo. Brilliant. Not a long book. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't well, I'm sure it's got like 48 pages yeah. <laughs> that book. But it's not a long read. The tool was yeah, I remember reading that. I remember reading that first issue of Amiga Men and thinking, "Oh, what's this about?" Yeah, when he appeared. Not the first yeah. issue, but the, but the issue appeared in. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get to that as well. But yeah, good choice. That's coming out here okay. next month. Um, mm-hmm. I think I've given you the date, haven't I? Yes. Yeah, cool. Yes. Yeah, nice one. I got my calendar downstairs. Good stuff, man. And where can people find you online? If you want to find me online, it's Payne the Gwyn on any form of social media um, or Shadow1972 if you want to talk to me directly via Twitter. Brilliant stuff, man. Excellent. Great choice. And uh, I'll see you next month, dude. (laughs) 